All right, cue fake podcast music. Hello, and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. And today I want to finally go over a subject that was actually suggested to us before we even launched our first podcast, which is the Oakland County child killer, which was a serial killer in the 1970s that was never found. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Bum me the hell out. Really? (laughs) Yes. I always thought that was a solved one. It is not solved. And I go over, at the end, five suspects. And there's one that I think is pretty good for it. And they're still working on it. No, they closed it actually in 1978. It's a cold case. They figured there's nothing else to be done. Hmm. Because uh, since then, well, there's been other children murders, etc., but not with that MO. I see. Yeah. I'm going to talk about three places people can visit. Two of them are museums and one's a house. Like true crime museums? Yep, true crime. And is it a true crime like house? Yeah, true crime house. Oh, nice. So it you... was under the museum section, but I don't want to consider it a museum because it's a house you can stay in it. Oh, wow. Pay to stay in it. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yep. So, where to go for true crime? And there's actually not that much. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, people in don't want to stay where section. people are dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why because I, right. I was thinking, hey, we need to stay here. Well, you know what? I'd give it a shot. Yeah, might as well. I mean, I. I'm out for seeing a ghost. My mom gave us axe throwing lessons for Christmas. As you can see, in my family, we just like to go all in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that'll be good. You'll know how to throw an axe. Yeah. So that when we stay here, you can save us. That's good. And hopefully I'll get some accuracy so we can get some distance on that thing. Yeah, if you don't, we're not going. Yeah, well, don't forget that surviving a serial killer is all about running and getting away. It's never getting caught in the first place. So we got to be able to not get caught in the first place. Yeah, but you need to be able to practice. So when you go to these lessons, mm-hmm. you have to be running and throwing. True. Running, turn, throw. i got to practice that. You're right. Yeah. Because what's the point of just standing still? I'm going to be running yeah, my ass gonna off. Yeah, you're going to run. Okay, you have right. to be able to turn swiftly, hit your target, and continue to run. Just like when you see those guys in football practicing. They're running, running, running turn, catch the ball. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a oh, good God. idea. So you probably need EMS there. <laughs> right. <laughs> what we'll do is uh, you'll go last. You'll be the palate cleanser since I talk about children dying. Yeah, and I have to mention this. Yeah. So I am so klutzy. Yeah. Just the craziest things happen yeah. to me. The other night, I opened my kitchen cabinet that I have opened for 20-some, over 20 years. Yeah. It, like, hits me right in the eyeball. Okay? <laughs> the corner of it. And then... I'm messing around with my son. We're wrestling. I go to jump on him, and he has his hand in a fist that closed, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I just run right into his fist <laughs> and, like, just mess my jaw up. Dang. I also got injured a few weeks ago from the bathroom door injured me. How'd that happen? I hit my elbow on the side of the door. Uh-huh. And, like, lost all feeling. It took, like, a week to get that back. Like, it was that bad. (laughs) So, like, all this is happening. And then last night was when I was wrestling uh, with my son. And I ran into his fist. (laughs) Um, And he said, he knew about the axe throwing. He said, I don't think you should go. Right? Or if anything, you should just watch. Yeah. How about that? I don't even know if that's safe at this point. <laughs> right. We'll tie you to a chair I'm sit like in the 20 car. feet behind us. 
<laughs> yeah, so I can't hurt myself. Right, because you'll hurt yourself when there's no dangerous objects. I try to tell people, and they always look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, at home, I'm not even allowed to use a knife. <laughs> they look at me crazy, but it's like, no, it's serious. Yeah, my husband true. will bring my food to the dinner table, cut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally, that's what I need. Yeah. And I need to live in a house that's padded. Yeah, if I ask for a knife, he brings me butter knives. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, it got me thinking, like, okay, one, yes, he, my son is cracked. I need to stay away from the axe throwing about 50 feet. Yeah. And then on top of that, it got me thinking, you know, like, okay, Okay, if I am being chased by a serial killer or anything, I'm just in trouble. You're going to be one of those girls I, that falls down in the horror movie. She's yes. running around and just all of a sudden just falls. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think that's, you know, you watch those kind of horror movies and like, you're like, yeah. give me a break. Like nobody but just no, that's for real. no reason. Yeah. That's real life. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. There's this one girl in high school had a huge bruise on her cheek. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I walked into a wall. I was like, I get it. No, dude, I get it. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. All right. All right, I'll go first. Oh, well, you know what I have to start with? What? It's sad, but I have more corrections. Like, I get corrected all the time. It got to the point where I'm like, I don't even want to do a Paley podcast about it. Forget it. It's always me. When we were talking about this, I had mentioned, like, I don't think anybody listens to me. I haven't got one single correction. The rest probably because you pronounce things correctly no, and I have don't. the correct dates. I use things, I do things like say 1980 when I was supposed to say 1880. And at one point, my sister, and that's probably because your brother doesn't listen as hard, maybe as my sister loves to correct me. She was like, Oh, at one point you said salon, but then you corrected yourself and said saloon. And I was like, Why bring it up, bitch? What are your corrections? <laughs> Uh, one of them was, um, you know, I'm in a constant state of being corrected here. So remember when I said uh, Potawatomi? No, I said Potawatomi. Um, it's actually Potawatomi. Potawatomi. Yeah, and it got to the point where I'm at Christmas and my older sister who corrected me on the same same podcast. <laughs> with us, I think, she was like, come here, Allie, come here. Allie, say it again. Say it again. What did you say? And I'd be like, Potawatomi. <laughs> okay, now say it the right way. And I was like, oh, Potawatomi. <laughs> Your family's so sweet. Yes, uh, she's so sweet. Thank goodness for older sisters. What can I say? And the other one is Shelly corrected me. Um, we we're talking about the Rudolph special, and I said his girlfriend's name is Cindy, mm-hmm. but his girlfriend's name is Clarice. Yeah, Clarice is a dumb name. Well, Cl- Clarice for reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> what do you think? That's not a reindeer name, Clarice. Right? And maybe I just thought it was Cindy because that's the name of Shelly's lady. Isn't Cindy <laughs> uh-huh. the girl on the Grinch that stole Christmas? Oh, Cindy Lou Who? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was probably all messed there up. You go. Right. See why I get corrected? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys about the Oakland County child killer, and it's not good. The Oakland County child killer was a person, and we're going to presume that it was a male. Okay, and I'm going to say he from now on, but we don't know. It's um, They're uncaught. They were responsible for the death of at least four children between 1976 and 1977, a 13-month period. This person was also referred to as the babysitter or the babysitter killer because the children were held for four to 19 days before being murdered. Really? Yeah, so he kept a hold of them for a few days. The Oakland County child killer was responsible for the death of two boys and two girls between the ages of 10 and 12 years old. And as I said before, his identity remains unknown. The first victim was 12-year-old Mark Stebbins. Mark was last seen leaving an American Legion Hall Sunday, February 15th, 1976. He had told his mom he was going home to watch a movie on television. 
That was back in the day when we didn't have VCRs. And like once a year they play a movie. Oh yeah. Well, I used to wait for The Wizard of Oz, which I know is a movie that you love. I love but the I used Wizard to wait every year. Like it was special the the time that Wizard of Oz used to come on the TV. I used to like search the TV guides for it, so yeah. I I would be ready when it came on. <laughs> and this was what Mark was doing. He's going home to see a movie. When Mark wasn't home by 11 p.m. that night, his mother called the police to report him missing. Mark Stebbins was found February 19th, 1976, neatly laid out in a snowbank, less than a 20 minute drive away from where he disappeared. There were rope marks on his wrists and ankles, and it was believed that he had been bound throughout his activity. Activity. He wasn't. He's bound. There's no activity. Damn it, Allie. Why? I meant to say captivity. He was bound throughout his captivity. Mark had been sexually assaulted with an object, had two lacerations on the back of his head, and he had been strangled. He was wearing the last outfit he was seen in. According to a witness in the area, the body had to have been placed in the parking lot snowbank before 9.30 that morning because they had been there and it wasn't there. When they came back, it was. Okay. The second victim was 12-year-old Jill Robinson. Jill had argued with her mom about chores and ran away from home right before Christmas, Wednesday, December 22, 1976. The day after her disappearance, her bike was found behind a hobby store. Jill's body was found the day after Christmas, December 26, 1976, on the side of an interstate in a nearby city. She was shot where she lay, on her back on the ground, with a 12-gauge shotgun blast to the face. Evidence showed she was also asphyxiated. Her body was covered in snow when Jill was found. She was within view of Troy, Michigan, police station. So you could, like, see the police station from where her body was. She was fully clothed and still wearing the backpack she had bundled up while running away. So he's laying these bodies out. Oh, yeah. In places somebody could catch him. Yes. And what really bothered me, she was still had her backpack that she used to run away. Like, when I was eight and ran away, I did shit like grabbed a stuffed animal, my favorite blanket. I just walked out the door. A pillow. Oh, I tried to get my moon boots on with no socks. You literally cannot put on moon boots with no socks. <laughs> and then the window was like frozen shut and my and I kept trying to get out of it. And when I my dad when I couldn't get out, I, I said, I'm gonna walk through the front door. And my dad was like, I dare you. And I was just like, I guess I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but I just felt so sad. She probably had stupid shit in her backpack. You know, she's yeah. twelve. The third victim was ten year old Christine. I think it's my hillich. Mihalich, please don't correct me, anybody. <laughs> How do you spell it? M-I-H-E-L-I-C-H. Mihalich. Mihalich. Sorry, guys. She was last seen on Sunday, January 2nd, 1977, at a 7-Eleven, around 3 p.m., buying a magazine. Christine's mom reported her missing three hours later. Her body was found by a mail carrier 19 days after she was reported missing. Christine's hands were on her chest in what is considered the typical funeral pose. You know, where you cross your arms mm-hmm. and your hands are on your chest. Christine had been smothered to death. A medical examiner determined that she had been dead for less than 24 hours. So they had her for like 18 days, 19 days. Mm-hmm. The fourth victim was 11-year-old Timothy King. He was last seen Wednesday, March 16th, 1977, around 8.30 p.m. Timothy left home on his skateboard to go to a corner store. Timothy left via the store's back door and was never seen again. His disappearance was heavily covered in the media, considering the deaths of the three previously abducted children. Law enforcement had just made the serial connection after Christine's death, and she was the third victim. So now they realize, you know, after she died, there's a serial killer, then this kid disappears. Okay. So shit starts jumping. Timothy's father and mother, Barry and Marion King, pled for the release of their son, both on newscasts and via letters to the Detroit News. 
In Marion's letter, she spoke of hoping her son would come home so that she could serve him his favorite meal, which was Kentucky Fried Chicken. On March 22nd, six days after his disappearance, two teenagers driving down the road saw Timothy's body in a ditch. His skateboard was placed next to his body. His clothes had been neatly washed and pressed. Timothy had been suffocated and sexually assaulted with an object. A post-mortem autopsy revealed that he had been fed fried chicken before he died. Oh. Those fucking assholes. That fucking asshole. It was determined that he had died six hours before his body was found. So they know his mom is pleading, let my son come home so I can give him his favorite meal. And they give it to him instead and they kill him. That's shitty. They are, yeah, I think, I say they because I think it's a group. I think it's two dudes, but we'll get get to that. Because I totally think one one guy well, that's was, a suspect is it was in it with a friend, which I'll tell you. Well, yeah, I mean, you would think that he would probably need help you abducting would need help. Him. Yeah, abducting, subduing, and then keeping them hidden for however long. Yeah, there were two other known child abductions and murders in the area around the same time. Cynthia Kedo, age sixteen had been abducted and bludgeoned to death on January 15, 1976. Cynthia left a friend's home around 8.30 p.m., and her corpse was found five hours later. She was nude and had been raped. Jane Allen, age 14, was found floating in a river in Ohio after hitchhiking out of Royal Oak, Michigan. Her wrists were found bound behind her back using strips of cloth from a T-shirt. Decomposition was too advanced to tell if she had been sexually assaulted. It was believed she had died via carbon monoxide poisoning. I just thought that was kind of hmm. weird. So at the time, the search for the killer was the biggest in U.S. history. It was the biggest serial killer search we've ever had at this point. The children's deaths were covered by both the Detroit's newspapers, the Detroit News, and the Detroit Free Press. They were talked about on radio and television news shows. The Michigan State Police were part of a task force that included officials from 13 communities, including the FBI. The killer of these children was never found, but the police were able to bust a multi-state child prostitution and pornography ring that was operating out of North Fox Island in Lake Michigan. A wealthy man named Francis Sheldon, grandson to a former mayor of Michigan, bought North Fox Island and created a program called Brother Paul's Children's Mission. It's not a good thing. The island was supposed to be a retreat for at-risk young boys. In reality, it was a secluded island where wealthy clients flew in to have sex with little boys. It grew to. I know. They took these boys, these at risk boys, flew them to an island where now they're captive and then used them for pornography and prostitution. It grew to be the largest child pornography distribution network in the country before being shut down. Hmm. Yeah, and that came to be through the look for the. Them looking for the Oakland County child killer, they found this prostitution ring instead. So here's who I think it is. I'll start with this. So there's at least there were at least five suspects before the investigation was shut down, December 1978. The first suspect, the one I think that did it, <laughs> is Chris Bush. He was the son of a high-level General Motors executive. This is the person that Barry King, Timothy's father, believes is responsible for the death. Gregory Green, which is Chris's friend, and Christopher Bush were both arrested for criminal sexual conduct charges. So this guy is a known pedophile. Gregory told the police that Chris had killed Mark Stebbins. That's the first missing child. Both passed polygraph examinations regarding the serial killings. Gregory was convicted and sent to prison for life for sexually assaulting a young boy in a different case. Chris Bush was given probation for the same charges. So they both rape and like torture this kid. One goes to jail for the other. If the uh, one um, gets probation. He also had his bond reduced, this is Chris Bush, had his bond reduced from 75000 an amount that he and Gregory both shared. They both had $75,000 bonds, and a judge reduced Chris's down to 1000 So that's how he gets out of jail. 
Christopher is convicted again of ped- pedophilia and is again given probation. So, you know, at this point, somebody's pulling strings, throwing money somewhere. The men, um, were, the men that were abducting, um, well, the men were said to be driving, Greg and Christopher, a blue Vega with a white stripe. And there was a blue car with a white stripe that was seen talking to one of the children. So they think it might be his. Chris was suspected to be involved in the child pornography ring on Fox, uh, North Fox Island, and he was a convicted pedophile. He also lived in the area of the children's death. Bloodstained lig- ligatures were found in his apartment, along with a sketched image of a boy screaming in agony. The face of the boy is supposed to be that of the first victim, Mark Stebbins. It is also said that the hoodie that the boy in the picture is wearing matched Mark's clothing at the time he disappeared. He was wearing a hoodie, too. It was believed that Chris committed suicide Thursday, the 16th of November, 1978, via gunshot. His maid arrived to his residence on Monday, the 20th, and found his front door locked with a chain from the inside and mail piled up in front of it. Chris was supposed to have started a new job that day. The maid went to the neighbor's house and called Chris's brother, Charles, and the police. And I wrote, because no cell phones. So that's when you had to like go <laughs> yeah, to a neighbor's house to and say, may I please use the phone? I need to call the police. They had to break a chain that was across the front door to get in. A TV guide was found in the living room, open to Thursday's movie guide. And according to the police report, Chris was found lying face up on his bed with a gunshot wound to a head, his head. And a 22 rifle next to him still pointed at his head. There are sections of the document that were whited out of the because I was reading the police report, but so I wasn't able to read every word. But it looks like mostly from what I can tell, they just blacked out names. But here's what I found suspicious. Hold on, Christopher Bush was not found with gunshot residue on his hands. He but he did have visible scars on his wrist from previous suicide attempts from two years previous. But I thought one, it's weird when you use a rifle to commit suicide. Because normally you actually have to pull the trigger with your toe, right? Because the rifle's so long, your hand can't reach the trigger while you put it up against you. Yeah. So they checked his hands for gunshot residue, but did they check his feet? You know what I mean? Like, if there's no gunshot residue on him and he's not wearing gloves and he didn't shoot himself, I don't care where the gun was. See, and right now, well, the gun was by his head. Yeah. Well, actually, I saw a picture of it from the thing. So he's lying on his back on the bed with his arms out, and the rifle is literally laying on the bed pointed at its head still wouldn't yeah. it have flung somewhere wouldn't it have yeah. fallen somewhere so where i mean as you started explaining this i just thought it was the other guy that went in because this guy was gonna confess the other guy didn't want him to confess so he went in there staged the whole greg's scene in jail for him. life oh now, chris is the one that yeah. doesn't go to jail greg is greg is a normal dude doesn't have parental money and power backing him up i'm gonna tell you some other things but that maybe makes somebody chris... knew he was doing it and killed him Oh, I, that's what I was thinking. Maybe even someone whoever's covering up for him was like, I covered up too much and they killed him or something, something. So here's we go. In 2008, the police followed up on new leads and focused on Christopher Bush. In 2010, he was declared no longer a suspect. I thought that was a little hanky. Barry King, Timothy's dad, has filed three appeals in his son's case. Charges against Chris Bush are marked do not release under any circumstances. Why? Why is this stuff confidential? I think it has something to do with something. Mr. King would like all the documents related to the case to be open to the public, and he has used the Freedom of Information Act to try to do it. Barry King's last appeal filed on December 13, 2016, was denied by the Michigan Supreme Court. But can you do that? Because it's still technically an open case, cold case. Yeah, but yeah, no, you can do that. Yeah, and Christopher's things are do not, are marked do not release under any circumstances. That means his stuff is absolutely confidential. Why? I just find it totally hanky. Another suspect was John Wayne Gacy, who was investigated. John is known for being a serial killer of at least 33 young boys. 
There were times that he worked as a clown in children's parties. That's the killer. That's John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> a witness to Timothy King's abduction had mentioned two men in a car talking to the boy. Uh, the description of one of the men matched John Wayne Gacy. This same suspect said that the men were driving a blue gremlin with a white stripe. Some people believe that the suspect saw Chris Bush's blue Vega that was also known to have a white stripe. John Gacy, John Wayne Gacy, was also in Michigan around the time of the murders. According to DNA test done, though, in 2013, he was not involved in the killings. So they couldn't find any of his DNA on any of the guys or girls. There was a suspect named Vincent James, um, James Vincent Gunnels. He was repeatedly sexually assaulted by Chris Bush as a young teenager. James was also one of the children that had been involved in the North Fox Island child prostitution and porn pornography ring. So he was one of the victims, this boy was. His hair was a mitochondrial DNA match for hair found on the body of the first female victim, which was Christine um, Milich. However, the DNA was so degraded that no further testing could be done. So they couldn't test anything else. Another suspect is Archibald Edward Salone, who was um, a known pedophile. Hair samples were found in his 1966 Pontiac Bonneville that matched both murdered boys. But he often let his pedophile friends borrow the car so they couldn't associate directly to him. An associate of Archibald also linked uh, was linked to the body of the two slain boys. They found his hair at the crime scene. Archibald Salone worked in the area of the killings. He was later arrested again for first degree criminal sexual conduct and was sentenced to life in prison January 1985. So he's also in jail for life. A more obscure, okay, here's the weird one. A more obscure suspect only goes by the name of Alan. Alan claimed to be a sadomasochistic slave of a roommate named Frank, and Frank was the serial killer. A letter he sent to the police was poorly written and showed signs of guilt over the killings. Alan claimed that he helped Frank cruise for children, but that he was never around when they were abducted. Frank's motivation was being traumatized by killing children in Vietnam, and he was retaliating by killing the children of people who were affluent citizens, and he felt that... Because <clears throat> he, he felt he wasn't compensating for going to war. So he's killing rich people's kids to get back at them for going to war that he was not compensated for. Alan claimed that Frank drove a blue gremlin, but that he got rid of it in Ohio. A psychiatrist with the task force, Dr. Bruce Danto, believed that the letter was authentic. Alan had Dr. Danto send him a coded message in the personal ads. When Danto did as instructed, Alan called him and offered him photographic evidence that he knows that Frank was the killer. And Alan never showed up at the meeting spot and was never heard again, though. Hmm. Evidence connects... There is evidence that connects all four murders together. And that was hair from the same white dog was found on all four victims, but that's it. Did anyone have a white dog? Not that they could find any direct link. And so it is an unsolved cold case that they stopped actively investigating December 1978. So... Yeah. Chris, right, is the one that died. That supposedly killed, killed, himself. killed himself. Yeah. So after he killed himself, there was no more murders? Nope. There wasn't any after Timothy King, which happened in 1977. And that's when the child ring gets busted. He could he commit suicide in November of 78. So I don't know if at that point, like, things were getting too hot or if that person was found or if they just stopped dumping the bodies in obvious places and just stopped, started dumping them in less obvious places. Or if they were part of that child pornography ring, which gets busted, you know. Yeah. Maybe they were one of those people busted for that. So there's so many reasons why they could have stopped. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. So give me something better to think about. <laughs> yeah, this was suggested before our first podcast, and it took me forever because it involves children and it's unsolved. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what you got? I got three places to visit. Which 
Two of them were definitely going to. Okay. The third one, maybe. <laughs> I still want to go to the dinosaur gardens in Osinaki. Yeah, we need to. We could day trip that one. We could day trip that one. Okay. Um, the first one I have is the Crime Museum. It's located in Washington, D. Washington, D.C. Yeah, Washington, D.C. Sometimes the English is so freaking hard. I know. <laughs> um, so this is a museum. Talks about everything U.S. True crime. Crime in the U.S. Really? Yep. That does sound interesting. Like when I checked out their website, currently they're doing a exhibit on Alcatraz. Ooh. And crimes people did. So they ended up in Alcatraz? But the interesting fact about this museum, which is why I really, really want to go, is that when it was established in 2008, it was the first for-profit museum of crime. Really? Yeah. But one of the owners was John Walsh. Oh my gosh, that's his son Adam died, right? His son Adam was killed. John Walsh's son's Adam was killed. Had was de- decapitated after he was lured away from a mall, right? Yeah, I didn't know his name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And in this museum, mm-hmm. they actually record, it has a recording studio, and they recorded Unsolved Mysteries there. What? Yeah, so I thought that was really One neat. of my favorite shows. I know, right? Yeah. I don't know why, though, those kind of shows just don't continue. I, you know what? I've been watching Unsolved Mysteries on Hulu. I didn't know it was on Hulu. I can't watch I Hulu. It has I a commercial, it's... and I'm oh, yeah. too good for commercials now that I've watched Netflix for years. Um, I'm actually delighted by commercials since it's been so really? long. since. I, yeah, I haven't no. had cable since 2011. We got Hulu, and I'm watching it, and yeah. then a commercial comes on, and I had to call my son in and ask what was wrong with the TV. You can pay six more dollars and they won't do no, commercials. Thank you. Okay, I'm too cheap to not yeah. have commercials. So definitely a place we should visit. I'm down. Then there is, and I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. Yeah. Villisca. Uh-huh. V-I-L-L-I-S-C-A. Wait, isn't that an ex-murderer? Didn't we did you already talk about that one? Did I? Yeah. Tell me, is this the what is this? A museum? Well, it's was under museums when I looked it up. <laughs> yeah. It's really not. Oh, is this the house it's one? It's a house. Okay. So it's the Villisca Axe Murder House. Okay. In Iowa. Oh, maybe we didn't talk it about it. It doesn't rem- I talked about an axe murderer. Okay. But that was Benny Evangelist, just- right? That was an axe murder. Oh, oh, guess what? Uh, what? When we did the Benny Evangelist podcast, I asked you where his head was and we talked about how we thought it probably just rolled around. Mm-hmm. It was... I was reading the one of my Christmas gifts, which was a true crime book in Michigan. Uh-huh. It was at his feet. Someone had placed his head at his feet. Everybody else was just axed to death, but his head was cut oh. off and placed at his feet. Okay. Mystery solved. Yeah. Made me, sorry. That made me think of that yeah. one. Okay. So this is a, it's a white farmhouse yeah. in Villisca, Iowa, however you pronounce that. Yeah. In this house, a family okay. of, let me see. I don't know. Want me to look up real quick? Yeah, let me... I think it was... Oh, here, right here. It's in front of me. Oh, right okay. here, Allie. I hate when things hide in the open. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a family yeah. lived there, and a total of eight people died. Two of those people were guests. What? Yep. Axed to, axed to death? Yep, they were oh, axed to death. I know, I the, know this one. Jo, it was the Joe Josiah... J-O-S-I-A-H Moore family. 
Okay, now I know why I know this one. I've actually read a few articles on this because nobody knows who killed that family. Correct. It's that the, secret is two, locked in the, the house. The two guests were little kids that were visiting after yeah. a, a, like a, a community function. I think maybe yeah, a church, church. Church function. Church, church function. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one actually always messed me up. They have, there's several theories on who did it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's said to be haunted. Um, and paranormal groups have went and visited there. And you and I can go and visit. You can do day tours, yeah. or if we wanted, yeah. we can pay a large sum of money and stay there. I so would stay there, but tours. you know, I sleep like a baby. I go to bed at nine o'clock. You'd be up all night worrying about ghosts, and my no, ass would wake. I'd wake up at three. <laughs> well, see, we would we take turns. I'd be able. You need to get up a little earlier though, so right. we can split the difference there. That's true. I could wake up at my normal three and then guard you. <laughs> so it yeah. said that you can stay there. I'm not really sure why you would want to, but probably paranormal people doing looking for paranormal stuff. Yeah. Other one. Yeah. We could visit if I would travel outside of the United States, because where where's it at? It's in Hastings, England, (gasps) and it is the True Crime Museum called the True Crime Museum. So it has exhibits on the Jack the Ripper, and they actually have like real lethal injection beds and i think i actually have that on my list of interesting stuff to podcast about really yeah that's funny yeah i know that's cool well i had looked up like where do we go to see true crime yeah that was the one that came up i'm like oh i totally want to go there you know and i'm looking i'm like oh yeah we can't go there (laughs) you're like i can't fly over the ocean yeah i can't fly over the ocean (laughs) and the and the fact that you know that's a lot of money. We'd have to convince my brother that we should pay money to go there. And that won't happen. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, not going to work. So I yeah. found, for the continuing conversation, I found a video Ooh. of the inside of the museum. So it'll be like we all went. Nice. Yeah, you could throw that up for our continuing. Yeah. yeah. And then I have more details on the other two places. Sweet. That I'll put up on the continuing conversation. But at least now we have two places we can add. I've never even been to Iowa. What I is don't, in Iowa? I don't even think corn? there is. Yeah. <laughs> beans? Potatoes? I don't know. Wheat? Yeah, probably wheat, <laughs> soybeans. Yeah. I don't know, but it's a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I think we definitely need to put that on our list. I'm down. You know I'll do it. All right, you've been listening to Michigan Another Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us using... Connect with yeah, us using, using what are why we that, using? It's, you know what? We're I'm, using electronic devices. This is literally the sixteenth time just, I've read this, and yet I still can't get it right. Yeah, but you, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you just need to like yeah. roll with it. You didn't roll. You should have been like using electronic devices <laughs> of your choice. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I just realized this is my twentieth time. If you include piddly podcast, yeah, it's true. Damn, I yeah. didn't want to point that out. I know it's like you know I've never read before. That's what this is like. <laughs> Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, and correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Oh, which reminds me of the YouTube thing. I told you there was a girl at work that I was telling her what a podcast is. She's like, so people can't see you? I would like to see you. And I was like, well, one, I think that's called YouTube. Which we are on YouTube, but you don't see us talking. It's well, just our logo. Yeah. But I was like, and two, I podcast in my pajamas. Yeah. I constantly look like I'm electrocuted. My hair sticks up all over the place. I mean, 
currently I actually rolled out of bed and did this. So. Yeah, I got I took a shower and then got in pajamas. People which... should thank us for not <laughs> video. That's true. Yeah. And, a lot of you know what people would be scared, but it'd be like the horror of having to look at us while we did this. Yeah. We'd probably get less uh, yeah. less views. Less views. <laughs> less listen. All right guys, check us out on Anchor though. I really did like that one. Yeah, that one's good. All right. Bye bye now. <laughs>